0: Also I was going to say, we're past a year now, so I'm going to change the intro so it doesn't say a cool. new podcast. Okay, cool. And I was thinking we could just insert some kind of adjective. Great. Yeah. Like a great podcast. Awesome. An awesome podcast. <laughs> cool. Something else besides new, because we're no longer new, which is crazy.
1: Welcome to Conversation on Tap, an awesome podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Joel.
0: And I am Jose. This week we're going to answer listener questions. We have quite a few, actually. Yeah. I'm- That's awesome. Awesome. Always surprised by that. But before that, let's go ahead and talk about what we have on tap this week. Joel? I just quickly ran off to BevMo. Love BevMo.
1: Our trusty uh, purveyor of multitudes of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And got ourselves in honor of April 20th, 420 coming up. Not that we're tokers at all. We really aren't. No.
0: That's Hitler's birthday though, right? Oh, is it really? I believe so.
1: 420 is? 420. Oh my gosh. It's like... Because Tokers are so anti-Hitler.
0: Exactly. So on the day of Hitler's birthday, everyone's getting high. Kind of to drown their sorrows. I guess so. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Cheers. Yeah. Nice. So what's this beer all about?
1: It is Humboldt's, of course, <laughs> uh, Brewing Company, which yeah. I think that's in Fort Bragg. Let me see if that's the ca- I can't see it on the can if that's Fort Bragg, but I'm pretty sure. Oh, no. It's Eureka.
0: Eureka. That's where the- my, my dad lives in Fort Bragg. Nice.
1: We used to, my dad owns a property on an acre right off the main road there going east from Fort Bragg. And he, uh, we would just go and camp on our one acre. Oh, cool. <laughs> I think, isn't that Howie 120
0: or something? I forget. Yeah,
1: probably. Yeah. That's, That's real funny. close to where the skunk train is. Yes. Which is a perfect uh, name for a train for <laughs> pot growing area. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. And, um, oh, what else is
0: Fort Bragg is, is, of course, known for? Glass Beach. Yeah, Glass Beach. My dad is constantly posting pictures of Glass Beach on his Instagram. Love it. It's good beer, huh? There's not a hint of hemp in it. No, I can't, I can't taste that. It's a little ropey. Like, I taste a little hemp. <laughs> <hair>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's good. That no, is, I like it. That's good. Cheers again. Yeah, cheers, cheers again.
1: That is so funny. It's been too long, Joel.
0: <laughs> You've been sick, so we missed a week. Yeah. But you're back. But I'm back. uh, What's bigger? Santa Maria wins.
1: I get uh, allergies every year and have a a mental day off. (laughs) A mental health day off (laughs) every year around this time.
0: Now, for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be a bit long-winded, so that isn't a strict time limit. I am trying to get better, though, about reigning it, because I'm editing these episodes, and it's like, holy crap, my Fred Talk went on for like 20 minutes.
1: So <laughs> If you got info, you can't stop just for time's sake. True. Come on, we're Hawaiians at heart here.
0: I I think I'm not. I was never. I've never been to Hawaii, but I can see where I would fit in. Yes. So this week for my Fred talk, I'm going to discuss the meaning of 666 in the Book of Revelation. Nice. Because a lot of times you hear from a certain segment of Christians who read the Book of Revelation literally. Yeah. So they see all these things as being part of some dystopian future. Things are burning down, beasts are coming out of the ocean, and there's a horror of Babylon, and all, all this stuff. What people don't realize is that there, there is an element of Revelation that's looking forward in terms of like the second coming. But most of the book of Revelation is actually looking back. It's historical, and they're communicating, the author um, who identifies himself as John, is actually using symbolic language to communicate the church's history hmm. to that point.
1: So, I'm the reason why this segment keeps on going, because I have so much inter- mm-hmm. interest in your background as a Catholic, and I have to ask you... Yeah. Because you mentioned um, what, like end times and, and revelations. Right. What is Catholics' um, view on revelation and whether or not portends end times and stuff like that? So many Protestants, of course, believe that's the main job of revelations. I don't. What, what do Catholics believe on this?
0: Well, it, it, we don't really, have, and we're getting like, off topic, so I totally apologize, but we don't have a dogmatic teaching, so it's a little flexible. Um, but basically, the, the typical perspective is it's a mix. So mostly, it's an account of the Christian history to that point. But then there's also, like I said, looking forward to the second coming, like the end of the world in that sense, but not literally, right? right? So when you talk about... Well, I I guess the other aspect of Revelation that people don't get is that there's the historical account, there's the looking forward part, but there's also the fact that it's ongoing.
1: What does that mean? So in other words,
0: we're constantly in the end of the world because... You know, the Book of Revelation talks about all these natural disasters occurring, and all of these um, persecutions that happen. Well, those are happening all the time.
1: They happened a lot more, in fact, and a long time ago. So they're yeah. lessening. So it's actually lessening.
0: Yeah. But you always hear, like, "Oh, the time is coming; going to where it's gonna be over." Because look, there's earthquakes. You're seeing volcanic activity. Well, we're always seeing those things. Right. So in a sense, the uh, you know, in a sense, the world is in a constant state of end of days. Yeah. Right. And if I die today, is end of days for me.
1: That's an interesting way of looking at it. I never thought of that.
0: Okay, 666. But the 666, there's a simple explanation. Um, it's the Mark of the Beast, right? It refers to um, like the Antichrist at the end of days. But the 666 actually is not some weird beast Antichrist figure in the future. 666 refers to the Antichrist of their time, who is actually Caesar Nero. And today it would be Trump. Today it would be Trump. Exactly. There you go. The Antichrist, <laughs> sure. right? And I don't mean Antichrist in like end of day sense, but like the person who is the opposite, right? Right. right. Total opposite. Well, six six six. We have our letters. We have our alphabet. Well, in our um, Aramaic and Hebrew, their letters corresponded to a number. Mm. So, if you took the the letters for Caesar Nero and added it up, it added up to six six six. Oh my. Goodness. And the reason why he's the Antichrist or the Beast is because he was the one who was persecuting Christians of course. at that time Yeah, as the emperor. Um, and not only did he persecute Christians, but as the Roman emperor demanded to be referred to as God. Mm. So he's the false god. He's the Antichrist. He is right. the one who was persecuting Christians. Is there a devil that is separate from the Beast
1: 666 as... Um, as mentioned in Revelations. That's not, uh, that, in other words, is not the number for the devil, necessarily.
0: No, okay, that's a misconception. You always hear, oh, the 666, that's the devil. No, no, 666. Well, again, that's where the misinterpretation comes in. But that refers to Nero. So what it tells us is that this had to be written around AD 60, maybe up until AD 70, because that was the reign of Nero Mm -hmm. when he was at the peak of his persecutions. But also, the... The Book of Revelation refers to the destruction of the Jewish temple, Mm. and the temple was destroyed in AD 70. So it depends on your perspective. Some people say that the author was predicting the temple being Mm. destroyed. Others say, well, no, it'll be written after AD 70 because he was reporting on the temple being destroyed. Yeah. I am more inclined to think that it's before and he kind of was foreseeing the destruction of the temple. Yeah. Because the Jews revolted, and then the Roman Empire, of course, clamped down on the Jews, and destroyed the temple.
1: And there's no reason to have these really brutal arguments about it because there's no way to know, right?
0: It's just all conjecture. And people, a lot of particularly American Protestants who get all into Revelation will have huge Oh my gosh! Arguments like they'll basically condemn a whole other sect or denomination. Like, oh, you're going to hell because you believe in yeah. X, Y, Z. Entire Sunday
1: programs on TV are given to Revelation and have just captured too much of the imagination of too many Christians. It has it's ridiculous, and like
0: you know, Left Behind series. Yeah, on it's it's ridiculous. So anyway, six 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 is not the devil. It refers to the Antichrist, who at the time was the emperor Caesar Nero. Who tangent. Uh-huh would persecute Christians in his circus, Nero's Circus. Oh. Well, that's where St. Peter was executed. In the middle of the arena? In the middle of the arena. And you can actually see there's the obelisk, which was where the arena was.
1: Was it the arena that is still existent, the Colosseum? No.
0: There's another one. So um, Nero's Circus is actually now underneath the Vatican. Oh, my god goodness. So St. Peter's Basilica right. is built right sure. on top of where St. Peter was crucified. So he interesting. was crucified upside down. Yeah. So in a way it's like the Roman Empire crumbled, fell apart, right? And the Catholic Church just built mm. its capital We're on the ruins of this empire that persecuted them. Gosh, you gotta love the symbolism there. Yeah. That is, that's so cool. This is, you know, the circus where you persecuted us. Yeah. We built our church on top of it. Yeah. So the capital of our church. So. Nice. Super cool. Can't wait for you to go. I've been there several uh, times and it's
1: incredible. And by the way, we have to do a quick toast to Notre Dame right now because uh, that's just, that, if that doesn't break your heart, nothing will. I, like I literally it. cry.
0: Yeah. It's man. just
1: heartbreaking. I went to Notre Dame, too, and, you know, in Paris, there's a couple things that are talked about to such extent that you just roll your eyes and think, oh, gosh, it can't be that good. One of them is the Mona Lisa in the Louvre, and the other one is Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the Louvre, and you look at Mona Lisa, and I tell you, it was shockingly powerful. Hmm. I had not been struck by an expression on a painting as much as I had by, by that. Wow. And so there's a reason why that's so famous. And Notre Dame is incredible. And then right. I come to find out that that was the center of Paris way back when it was just getting started.
0: Yeah. It um, was built in the early... Well, construction began in the early 12th century. It took 200 years to build it. Yeah. That stained glass window, the rose window. Oh. Beautiful. And I think part of it oh. melted in the fire. But most of it was safe was it really good and the spire of course caught on fire and collapsed but thankfully they took all the statues of the 12 apostles off of it because they're renovating it right and they believe the renovation is part of what caused the fire but
1: yeah well it's cool that macron has already said they're going to rebuild it so which is awesome yeah they got it all right joel all right going on here Yeah, so my topic is based on uh, an article I should be really talking about during our outro, and we talk about all these things, these pieces of art that we're interested in, and it's from The New Yorker, and it just was so interesting to me, and I believe it's called, I'm going to look it up real quick, The Day the Dinosaurs Die, and so they think Mm -hmm. that they found a sort of captured moment in time when the, of uh, the day that the meteor hit the Yucatan Peninsula.
0: So the Gulf of Mexico?
1: Right, in the Gulf of Mexico, which did what? I always try to get you, uh, but, oh, well, I kind of gave it away with the title. The day that the dinosaurs died. Yeah. But also, they say that 95% of animals and plants died uh, within a couple years of that because, of course... Because of all the dust. Yeah, yeah. It, it uh... It was um, kind of exactly the opposite of what's happening now. It created um, a mini ice age, and it just destroyed most life. But without that, we humans would never be here now because Hmm. the reptiles, that was the day that that the reptiles ended, Mm -hmm. and it was the day that the uh, mammals began their ascendance. And, of course, we are mammals. So I think that 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 meteor hit basically... Between the Mesozoic era, or I think that would be an epoch, or no, it would be an era, and the Cenozoic. and um, but So this guy basically was this really um, interesting um, cat from West Palm Beach, I think mm. it was. And um, he totally collected every skeleton he could find in his life. And then he um, became a geologist and a paleontologist and just was tramping around the, the richest uh, paleontology area in the United States is in Wyoming and, and Montana. And he just struck upon this, this moment of time captured by the land where all these fossils were, um, were, could be found together after this gigantic flood hit because of this meteor. And if it's true, now this is such a crazy story that I almost have a hard time believing it. And a lot of geolog- or paleontologists actually do too. But if it's true, he basically found this area in Wyoming where there are dozens and dozens of animals that were actually fossilized on the very day huh. after the 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 meteor hit
0: do you mean that like the meteor hit and there was a wave well that went across the yeah. land like or what happened at first he thought it was a wave
1: a, a tidal wave caused by meteorites which would time. happen but then uh, the time didn't really match and so he had to kind of re- rework it and it and there's something called liquefaction that happens and they think that the earthquakes caused the land the earth the soil basically mm-hmm. to kind of liquefy and, um, oh, wow. and it totally just almost like quicksand just entombed all the animals that were at this spot,
0: like Carbonite and Han Solo.
1: Exactly, exactly. And so there's just incredible specimens of, of all kinds of different animals wow. um, on the very day that, that that meteor struck. And the reason why it's so important is because there's actually still a debate over whether or not the meteor created this a sudden. Um, extinction of the reptiles or if that had already been happening for many many um, hundreds of years and it kind of uh, if it's true it kind of um, tilts the um, it kind of actually answers that question and it would have been a sudden catastrophic catastrophic event that um,
0: killed the dinosaurs an extinction event yes Yes. Versus this was ongoing, right? Maybe, and caused by climate, and caused and by right. Cause yes, you hear that now as one of the reasons to deny climate change. Yeah. Well, oh, the weather always changing, etc. Yeah. But anyway,
1: some say it is the number one archaeological or uh, paleontological find in the history of uh, you know the the universe of Earth. Let's say.
0: And um, it was just such a great article. I couldn't put it down. I should read that because I grew up reading Michael Crichton, um, like Jurassic Park, Lost World. I loved, I could tell you all the dinosaurs growing up. Oh, oh, it's
1: just fascinating. Yeah, that was the moment when dinosaurs began to die or basically did die over a very short time period and mammals made their ascendance. right, so now we are going to... Oh, I didn't tell Krista that we were going to be here. Alright, so now we're going to get into the main part of our program. And the uh, topic of today's discussion is uh, listener questions. Which is, again, I have to mention how shocked I am that people actually... And humbled I am people listen to our show. We have thousands of downloads. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) That's...
0: that's From all over the world. That's nutty.
1: Jose, when was your first beer?
0: Yeah, so... Actually, I can't remember the first beer per se, but I do know the first time that I got drunk, the first time I had a drink. I was 16 years old, and I was visiting my dad in Fort Bragg. At the time, he was married to another lady who had daughters. and So I was the same age as one of the stepdaughters, and her friends came over, all these girls and then me. And my dad brought tequila. We all just drank tequila. It was very safe. like We weren't going anywhere. We weren't driving. We were all in the house. But that was the first time that I had a drink an alcoholic beverage, and I was f***ing wasted. Not to toot my own horn, but I had three of those girls fighting over me. Wow. Within hours. <laughs> when they're like crying in drama. <laughs> because of the tequila? Because of the tequila and, it, I don't know. They and, had and beer your goggles charm? on, my charm, charm, my drunken charm, and then beer goggles, and then I was so wasted that I stumbled into the house and passed out. Nice. That so, is a
1: great first beer story that kicks a butt of mine because I'm sure I had my first beer at like five years old. My dad was always saying, here, try a little bit of beer. And I always told my parents growing up that I was convinced, and I still am to a certain extent, that all alcohol, Mm -hmm. all alcoholic beverages are only in existence because they have alcohol in in them. In other words, I don't think that any alcoholic beverage would exist Mm -hmm. without the alcohol in it. Right. Because but some people insist on the, the tastiness. Well, when I say beer is amazing, I mean beer is amazing compared to anything else that's alcoholic. I don't think I'd ever be drinking beer. Would you be drinking beer if it wasn't for the alcohol? you mean like
0: O'Doul's? Yeah, or? would you no. be
1: drinking? Yeah,
0: I wouldn't either. No, it tastes gross. But so I must would, say... You go through the flavor, which is not... It can be bitter or whatever, right. happy, but because it's the alcohol, right. you want the buzz. Now,
1: um, I though have definitely come to... I almost crave the, the flavor every once in a while. Like, yeah. man, on a hot day, mowing the lawn or whatever, you got to have a, a beer afterwards. And it just tastes so good. It just tastes better than, than almost anything, which is crazy because I used to just poo-poo that idea. I think the older I've gotten, my palate has kind of matured yeah, to that yeah. point. It gets numb to it. <laughs> when was, yeah. When I was younger, I just was like, I want to get wasted, right? So the first time I got drunk... Uh, was probably in college. I don't know, even remember. I don't remember it happening because I uh, yeah. passed out and I lost out.
0: <laughs> well, uh, so you've gone to Oktoberfest, and I've never been. Oh, we got to go because I've heard some crazy stories from people who oh. went with you. Well, that wasn't beer. That was uh, Jägermeister
1: out straight out of the tap into my mouth.
0: That's that's like was, that's like what do you call that? Beer fest or oh. like one of those like Will Ferrell movies? I feel
1: very like I feel. Um, Literally scared to go to any kind of Oktoberfest because every time I ever go, mm-hmm. I overdo it. I think there – could there to. be some kind of like German gene in me that just, just think goes so. crazy? And I hate that idea then because the Germans have been such <laughs> And I mean that. Was, I mean, Hitler, was
0: Hitler wasted when he – Yeah. Was he like wasted on, on yeah. this uh, hemp beer when he decided to – I wonder if, if, if what uh, Ger- uh, Hitler's drinking habits were. I really do. I don't know. Did he? He doesn't. I don't know. Did he drink a lot? No. I know I would he was love taking to methamphetamines that. to control his Parkinson's. I heard. Oh, really? That's yeah. what I heard. I don't know if that's true. Well, or not. Well, I mean, I like to think that he didn't drink a lot, a lot because
1: you can't be that evil and and, ha- and be jolly enough to, to like beer. True. I
0: hope that's true, but yeah. I don't know. But you're jolly though when you drink, because I think you were telling me one time that you were with somebody and were a little inebriated. And you ask a lot of questions. You were asking someone about Hershey bars or chocolate bars or oh something? Oh, my gosh. At uh, Haas and Amy's? Oh Is that what it was? Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay. Am I, <laughs> am I spilling the tea? No, no.
1: Um, yeah, I get so happy. That's I get good. really jolly. And, and and so I was just hopping around and just all prancing and cavorting around asking people their favorite and and it's because I'm naturally shy. I'm, just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that you said you were shy growing up too. Yeah, totally. And and we shy people rely on alcohol to totally obliterate our um, yeah, shyness. Our shyness. Our, what is that called in our brain that that The like
0: inhibitions.
1: Inhibitions. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that. And so it's the the five the ten. Probably no. Probably literally the 30 stupidest things I've ever done in my life, including probably on this show, Uh were because of alcohol. But it's everywhere. Everything in moderation,
0: including moderation. Hey, that's my line. Including moderation. Yeah. Including moderation. What's funny though is I, I, you know, I have a daughter now, little Frankie, and I'm already thinking forward to when she's a teenager. I'm like, I don't want to totally shelter her from alcohol because then if you make it taboo, she'll want it. Can I just... Toast that because oh, yeah. I've had a couple beers
1: already and I cannot stand America's relationship with alcohol. And I love the way they do it in Europe. And Europe just does not see the stupidity and the binge drinking that we do in the United States. No. They're so smart about it. And when we went to Europe and, and I I asked the waiter if my boys, even my middle son, who was only 16 at that time, could have a beer, they looked at me like, why are you asking mm-hmm. exactly? Wow. You know, your parents with them, you get to decide and, mm-hmm. and it's not taboo. It's not, you know, it, it was, it was a ridiculous question there because for them, it's just, it's an absurdity how we
0: treat it. Yeah. So when you make it taboo and you put like all these like hushed kind of, you put in a hushed atmosphere, mm-hmm. like, Shh, don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I think it becomes attractive because mm-hmm. it's in the shadows, you know, you're not supposed to do it. Then the kids want it Yeah. and they go crazy. Yep, forbidden fruit. For exactly. Want it. Yep. Yeah. All right, Joel, next question um, uh, Charter schools. Should we have vouchers? What's wrong with charter schools? I
1: loved the original, I think it was Alfie Cohn, who was a very um, outspoken and, and well read educator, um, who I think it was him who first proposed um, charter schools and only for kids who were habitually disruptive, who were we might call miscreants in, in school, right. as, because some of them truly can't function in a normal setting, and a charter school or a different setting would be so healthy for them. And so a lot of inner-city parents who were disgusted by um, the behavior they saw in class, they, though, felt like they should have it for their good kids to mm. get it to escape, the craziness that sometimes happens in class. And so charter school became a huge movement and it was really, I think it was started more by Democrats truly than Republicans. I think a lot of Democrats would be loath to admit that. Um, But I can't stand them on the whole because they um, basically take the cream off the top Mm -hmm. and leave uh, the other public schools um, with the dregs now, if charter schools had to accept everybody
0: just the same way we do, mm-hmm. I'd be totally fine with them. Now, what is your? No, take? I I agree. So I think the whole myth of charter schools has been pushed by Democrats or, or or liberals, like people like Bill Gates, for example, or mm-hmm. um, you look at President Obama, yeah. or even Rahm Emanuel in Chicago, or Antonio Villaraigosa in L.A. pushing charter schools. But it's rigged because, like you said, they take the cream of the crop and they don't abide by the same rules. A lot of them aren't unionized; they're mm-hmm. exempt from a lot of the same regulations that mm-hmm. we, as public school teachers, so on and on. You go down the list, and it's like we're not held to the same standard. It's not fair. It's not. And if we were all the if we were all unionized, if we all had the same, you know, obligations and regulations, I would be fine with it. So. If inner city kids had equal opportunity to charter schools as, you know, the more well to students, I would have less of a problem with it. But like I said, it's, it's usually just you're higher, higher performing, so you're in. Or I think they even have like academic probation where it's like, oh, your scores are going down, you're out.
1: Yeah. I think the also something that gets forgotten it, and it's the irony of ironies that Charter schools, which were started by minorities, people of color, mm-hmm. have a- actually worsened segregation and made white kids um, made it so much more easy for white kids to go to school where their kind, mm-hmm. were you know, where they could be only with their kind. And man, what a what an
0: irony! What a, how sad! Yeah, it's it's backfiring. And I think with vouchers, basically, what you're doing is you're. You're reaching into the public school's coffers, their budget, taking money from them to give to charter schools. You're robbing the kids who are already the neediest in public schools and giving it to the kids who are either more affluent or higher performing.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. Vouchers,
0: that's a whole other level of evil for me. Right. No. I right. mean,
1: charter schools could work, but vouchers to me are just evil. I mean, yeah. people don't understand the... the Importance of public education in our country's history and um, Vouchers would decimate that right and the idea that and this happens all across the country that people get rich Off the backs of kids and they do yeah charter and voucher operations Charter operations in many many states are private yeah, and they um,
0: Make a profit off the backs of public school kids they do. And teachers yeah. who work for those. Because I have friends who teach in charter schools, and they have a caseload of like 108 kids. They'll <laughs> teach like one or two days of the week, and the rest of the time is grading papers or putting up with like BS, and they can be fired at will. Yeah, and the turnover is atrocious. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, charter schools and vouchers, they're, they're a mess. Next question. Can, this is from someone who I totally love. Her name is Genesis, by the way. She asked, can Jose explain... How he can be an advocate for the lgbt if he is catholic and i think that's an interesting right question
1: I, I think there is can you just first start with the official catholic um
0: view on on lgbt right so if you look in the catholic catechism it basically says that the number of people who have homosexual desires or tendencies is not negligible so in other words they're acknowledging that there's a large number of people who have these desires orientation. And then it says, but it's disordered. And people look That's at that. That's an interesting word, disordered. And people look at that and go like, what? That's very offensive. And if you read it in a certain way, it could be offensive. But what the church means is it's not the, the normal order of things.
1: It That doesn't, that doesn't offend me. The idea that um, that uh, gay people can't have kids could itself be considered disordered. In other words, right. but... Disordered also may suggest that there's no place in society, and even evolutionists have said right. there is probably some really important role mm-hmm. that gay people play, and all the different um, mm-hmm. se- segments play in, right. our, in our history.
0: I don't know anything about that, but the church is looking at it from the natural order right, right. is men and women procreate. Right. right. Men and men cannot. Women and women cannot. It takes, it takes the male's seed in the woman's egg to conceive a child, right? So it's disordered in the sense that um, it's not the normal or the natural order of things for procreation. I think people look at it as being offensive, but, and that's not, the church is not trying to be offensive. And there's, a, there's an attempt by some to change that language. Because while we in the church understand what it means, people on the outside don't necessarily understand. So they automatically interpret it in the most negative way. Okay, So, there's an attempt to change that word, which means that the catechism would have to be altered. To now, do the higher ups
1: in the, yeah. in the Catholic Church actually have um, general consensus on
0: this, or is there general dispute? Yeah. Because you have to remember the Catholic Church is global. Right. The American Catholics and bishops tend to be more inclined towards compassion, sensitivity, um, not being discriminatory, which, by the way, those are all words that the catechism sets. We should treat homosexual persons with sensitivity, respect, and compassion, and show no outward signs of discrimination towards them. That's almost word for word. But you have bishops from around the world, from like Africa, who think there's no such thing as homosexuality. If there is someone who has that, they should keep their mouth shut. Wow. And has there been any um, pushback from the higher-ups? In one of the first interviews Pope Francis gave, he said, um, when someone asked him about gay people, he said, who am I to judge? Because ultimately, you know, our job is not to judge, right? We're not supposed to throw stones at people, right? We're not supposed to drive people in the middle of the street, say, this is the law, quote unquote, and then stone them. Why has
1: that been such the tradition because when people, that is so forefront in the Bible? I don't, I don't get it because people basically don't like anybody who's different than they.
0: Exactly. It's, it's the same tendency the Pharisees had right. in the time. This yeah. is the law. We have to abide by the law. right? And Christ said, no, the law is love right Mm -hmm. and then the rest of all your little human things love those are outside of the law love that Um, that's so for me as catholic you know i would say every single person is made in the image of god right whether you're gay or straight and it's not my job to sit in judgment of you right as a person or your behavior that's between you and god basically and you need to focus on your relationship with god with christ and um me, as a Christian, my job is to facilitate that or to help you or encourage you and not to throw stones. Yeah, I,
1: I'll i get a little testimonial here and I'm embarrassed, really embarrassed to say that I used to um, totally adhere to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's belief. And I want you to maybe you can find the Bible verse supposedly that. It doesn't. I don't think it does mention homosexuality per se or explicitly. It just says sexual immorality, and we assume because that's oh. what everybody believed back then. Does the Bible ever even mention homosexuality?
0: Yes, yeah, so I don't know if it's the word. is we might interpret it as or translate it as homosexuality. But I think Paul says, yeah, the drunkards, the adulterers, right? He says homosexuals and so on. His okay. whole list, right, will not inherit the kingdom of the right, world. right. So.
1: Um, I used to, and I st- and tell me what you think about this, if this is really bad because my sons think it's bad. I still recoil. I don't like to see guys kiss, for instance, on, on movie screens. Mm-hmm. Here's what, um, I think is happening. People, they equate. I don't want to say the word disgust because any love now I've come to understand
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's taken me years. Any kind of love is beautiful, but people, when they are not used to uh, women kissing or men kissing, they recoil from that. It's
0: outside of their norm.
1: And then they think that that equates to sin. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they're the same thing. We recoil from Filipinos eating this chick in an egg. In an egg, yeah. Right, this balot that is disgusting. it has got the feathers still in it. But that certainly can't be a sin. There's all kinds of things that are disgusting that aren't sins.
0: Right, it's cultural for them.
1: Right, it's cultural. It's just, and, and my sons are just, they're like, what's the big deal? Because they're used to it and our times
0: have changed. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, they're used to it. Yeah. And for older generations, our generations, including myself and your generation, I guess, yeah, it's just different. Yeah, and we're not. Um, I don't know as many people who are LGBT as like your your sons would.
1: Right, exactly, and they're they're much more thankfully and healthily willing to express their sexuality now because they don't have to live in the shadows. Yeah. And that's been such a good thing. Yeah, I used to be so backwards on this issue, and I'm not. I'm not to say I'm not <laughs> forwards on the issue <laughs> yet, but man, thank goodness for the great changes that
0: have happened in this yeah. regard. So the next question we got was from Tony, and she asked, is Captain Marvel an important movie for women, especially with everything going on in our society? Heck yes. And you? Have you seen it yet? I finally saw it. Oh, thank goodness. I really, really enjoyed it. As a father of a girl, too. Yes. Yes. My daughter, I can't wait for her to watch it. I can't wait for her to dress up like Captain Marvel. But Uh, having said that, I think Wonder Woman was better.
1: I liked Captain Marvel. I don't know what it was about it, but she was just so freaking powerful. Yeah. And... And so, you, I'm not the expert, and I think I asked you, and I jumped the gun because I've been drinking too much with you and Jose. You guys totally know. Is she going to be more powerful than, like, even Hulk at his, like... Or, I mean, even, like, everybody, or who would... What's yeah.
0: the, like, the hierarchy of... She's the most powerful superhero we've seen in Marvel yet. She is, I think, super significant because there are so many Marvel characters, in particular, um, who are men. And the only, like, strong female character is... Black Widow, Scarlett, you know Johansson's character, who is like mm-hmm. hot. She mm-hmm. has no movie of her own. All these other guys, oh. Iron Man, Thor, these all these guys get their own movie. Captain Marvel's movie is the first one, the yeah. first standalone. Yeah, it happened late
1: for such a progressive uh, movement, mm-hmm. and and you know all these. Um, tell me the name of the guy who's like the the, okay, the guy that that... Kevin no, the guy who always has a cameo in all the shows, who, who's the Stanley. Stanley. So he was progressive guy, right? He would he be all for this, right? Mm-hmm. And but even still, he didn't make sure because he probably could have made sure that this happened earlier
0: as a producer.
1: Yeah, not, yeah, right.
0: I think Marvel was holding back and they saw the success of wonder woman. Oh yeah. And we're like, Oh, we can put out like a female lead. In oh,
1: more than half stuff. of all the population is female.
0: Exactly. Right. But a lot of the comic book fans are dominated by men.
1: Yeah. Right. That's true. But Interesting. Yeah. It's, no, I think this no, is a
0: significant no,
1: movie for, society. what are the other huge fictional characters, female fictional characters that are super powerful? It's happening more and more. See, we're, I'm putting you on the spot because I just saw a movie that was just like, oh, yeah, heck yeah. But we're going to – it's like the days of like the James Bond. Yeah. Well, it will be just like James Bond except it will be a guy, a gal who just totally takes any guy she wants. Right. You
0: know? So they have these, these spy movies with chicks. Like Charlize Theron had one, right? Right. Angelina Jolie's had her own. But if you look at Doctor Who, Doctor Who has been played by a dude for, you know, 50 years. Well, the current Doctor Who is a woman – so I think that's, we're seeing this equity kind of coming up in terms of the balance of men and women. Oh, I totally agree. It's it's a huge,
1: it's a seismic shift. Totally. It's a, it's, it's a seismic shift. It's a beautiful thing. Next question.
0: Um, we got a question from um, one of our listeners and actually a guest on our show at one point, Jose, who asked, what is the deal with Israel? Dude,
1: first of all, I know 100th what, you know, you did your... You did a huge report on this in college, I know, and and you know everything. All I know is I can't stand the fact that hasn't Israel just recently basically condoned the, or basically taken the land Mm -hmm. uh, on the West Bank
0: that was once Palestine's. They've been doing it for 50 years, actually. Um, The deal with Israel, it's it's complicated. And I think people will portray the conflict as being between two co-equal sides, Israel and the Palestinians, when in reality, if Israel, which is this military superpower, basically, in the Middle East, and could easily stomp all of their Arab neighbors, even if they were to go together, Israel has nuclear weapons, by the way, which is totally on the down low.
1: And they are, if I'm not mistaken, the United States is number one recipient yes. of, of military aid,
0: we especially w- through weapons. Weapons, money, and I'm sure technology... Um, information, you know, all that. We're, we're behind them even diplomatically. We go to the UN and we will veto any kind of bill or um, resolution that comes to the floor that's even slightly critical of Israel.
1: Netanyahu
0: can slander our former president and then we
1: still kiss his feet. It's yes. disgusting.
0: We not only will kiss his feet, we will bring him to the floor of Congress and let him basically undermine U.S. policy, which is what happened um, at the end of Barack Obama's presidency when John Boehner, the Speaker of House, invited Benjamin Netanyahu to speak. Yeah, that was a
1: bad moment in U.S. history. Now,
0: to to give some
1: um, ammo to the other side, you don't have Israel condemning gays, for instance, like Iran to death. Mm -hmm. And and there are outright terrorist acts by Iran, and so many of those. So, I mean... It's not to say that we're total anti-Israel.
0: No, There's I think a bad
1: acting on both sides.
0: Israel is um, affluent; they tend to be more progressive than we are. Though I think that's shifting politically. They're they're culturally they're more progressive, but I think politically, the more orthodox, the more conservative, they're taking over. Because if you look at the recent um, election, Netanyahu won as prime minister again because Barely. his party and the right wing part, the right wing parties because they're a parliamentary system there were enough right-wing parties that won seats in parliament that he was able to again take over as um prime minister so the problem with that is they tend and this is what's been going on for the last like 50 years push the idea of annexation the united states has turned a blind eye for all this time We keep saying peace process we'll have negotiations etc because we've been pushing for two states and i think two states is the way to go you Trump's have. newest proposal doesn't
1: even include a Palestinian state. No. So no, it's a non-starter.
0: No. And um, what's been happening is Israel's been eating away at the West Bank and and you know before Gaza until Ariel Sharon basically told all the settlers to get out of Gaza, but they all relocated to the West Bank. And by the way, almost all of the people in the West Bank who are settlers are American, right? They're not even like Israeli. Um, at any rate, so they're wow. eating up all this territory in the West Bank that's supposed to be the future... Homeland for Palestine. So it's like as they're going through negotiations and peace processes, it's all a farce because Israel's biding its time until they basically have, have taken all the land. Gosh, it's so frustrating. Very. And so what, the, what, is,
1: like, what is the solution? There's no, I don't see anything.
0: The Palestinians have, and, and people like myself have been saying we need two states, an Israeli state for sure. the Palestinian state. But the, but the recent trend now in Palestine is forget it. We don't want our own state. We want to be included as one state in Israel. Because
1: they still um, have a larger population. Exactly. And that's why Israel will never do it. Right. And so it's like apartheid. It's not quite apartheid, but it's close. It's pretty
0: much an apartheid. Yeah. And then if they were to... Because the Palestinians are going to be like, you know what? Forget it. This is not working. Let's just be one state. You take our land, then fine. You have to combine us completely. Yes. And the Israelis don't want that because... Of course not. The Palestinian... Muslim population is larger than the Israeli Jewish population.
1: See, people don't know, do they? No. People don't know the nitty gritty about this topic. It's so key. Is there any topic that is like basically been at the forefront of news forever, like this has? No. No. Even Russia, Russia-U.S. relations
0: mm-hmm.
1: takes a backseat, a close a second to this.
0: And, and the American people overwhelmingly just blindly. Give Israel a thumbs up. Yep. Keep on going. So, It's a trip. Last question. Has social media made in-person communication worse, especially with millennials? You know, I have such great conversations
1: with you and, and so many, and I know you do too. But with millennials, I can't speak. Are you a millennial? I think technically I am. Yeah, you are. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to speak to this. Not with my generation. I think that yeah. we are much more likely to not communicate as much. We totally still do, but not as much as millennials, of mm-hmm. course.
0: Right. I, I don't know what you would call the generation of our students. I think people just kind of whitewash it all. You're all millennials. But I'm, I'm sure there's a different designation for this generation, the new one. The Z. Maybe, the, uh, yeah, maybe. I think it is Z. But I think there is with them an issue with social media because they think that hanging out is – well, I talked to them on Snapchat. Or I talked to them on Instagram. We were hanging out. Mm. That's not hanging out. Mm. When I was growing up, it was – I'd call them on the phone or just ride my bike to their house. Hey, let's go to the park.
1: Right. Let's list right now all the um, things that we're benefiting from face-to-face that people who are just online don't get. Body language is huge. Oh, yeah. You get – I've heard studies that you get up to like 10 or 20% of the communication through body language. Yeah, that's true. Which totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, you get hugs and handshakes and Chances. kisses and everything else, which is huge. Mm-hmm. You get, oh, there's got to be more.
0: I think, you know, I grew up with, um, my, my mother is deaf, right? And so part of sound language is all about the physicality, the facial expressions, body language. And you don't get that on the phone. Mm. You don't get sarcasm. Mm. Some people will text, like, some a statement that they're joking. The person mm. on the other side doesn't catch it. Mm. And that's where problems can arise.
1: Yep. You get... When you come to my house and I go to yours, you get a sense of that person's, like, culture and their their, their um, likes and dislikes
0: and just from what they surround themselves with. Exactly. Well, here's the other thing, too, I'll say. Um, if... How am I going to say this? Um, when I'm talking to students who are of this younger generation and they spend so much time on social media, they have a hard time looking me in the eye. Oh, my goodness. That's another thing. And they have a hard time speaking up, even though I know that they have like an online presence or they're, you know, they're familiar with all the memes or they can tell you all about YouTube channels they watch. But if you try to engage them in a conversation, it's either shallow, they can't read... physical or facial cues yeah, it's just weird, I don't know
1: do you know there's um, a huge growing population of autistic people and it's it just seems to me that that has to go hand in hand with, because social cues and and reading expressions is is not a a forte of of autistic people and that's what exactly the the deficit that happens when you're always online, Yeah, but you just mentioned something that's huge in that um, you, you know, it's sarcasm and, and and
0: you know it, it just it 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 doesn't work as much online as no. in person. It really it really doesn't. So I think social media, in in, in my estimation, in general, has made in person communication worse. Yeah. Um, and especially if you have a spat with someone on Facebook, mm. and then you see them in person, it makes it a little more awkward. Yeah. You argue online, and then it's harder to carry that argument in person face-to-face yeah you probably can't overcome
1: the preconceived ideas that happened online right. that that probably in in person probably are overcome much easier because you yeah. there still is that old human tendency of physicality and, and the possibility mm-hmm. of fighting in, in person that would never happen yeah exactly. it's interesting it's it's also interesting besides the fact that i have not had I shouldn't say not entirely but I have had so few great just conversations. Mm-hmm. I think that conversation is on the wane. It's sad. It's yeah. off, it's just disappearing because conversationalists are not ha- happening with this younger generation. No. They have to learn how to be conversationalists.
0: But that's what I love about this podcast. We are having conversations mm-hmm. over drinks. Yes. So awesome.
1: And they can't they're not drinking as much beer, you know.
0: <laughs> when they're online, maybe they are. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. So as we as we end our show here, uh, Joel and I usually like to discuss one thing we're reading or watching or listening to. Um, this week, I want to talk about a show I watched on Netflix, a, 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 like a biopic, I guess, on Netflix called Motley Crue. It's called The Dirt, rather, which is about Motley Crue. I watched it. My wife, she wanted to watch it. We watched it, and it was hard to watch. So it's kind of good. And not good. The drug use, just so much, like, really graphic sex, actually. Like, the movie pretty much opens with one person performing cunnilingus on a gal to the point where it's like, you see the spray. Wow! Yeah, I was like, that's really graphic. I'm going to go watch this tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Drug use. Like, it was just crazy. Wow. It was kind of like, it was hard to watch. And I am actually really open to a lot of things. yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say that. To watching movies. Because I'm able to disassociate generally between reality and yeah. fiction. But even this, I was like, wow, this is crazy. That's a, because you watched uh, horror movies
1: as a four-year-old.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think, actually, yeah. Desensitized. But, yeah, it's like there was just so much going on. And this was the 80s and, you know, all the drug use that went on during that, during that time. And there was just this rampant... Giving into the flesh, giving in, indulging in s- sinful behavior. There's another way to put it, really, and in glorifying it with the music and like the personas. I'm gonna watch
1: that. I was yeah. always I hated that genre of, of music,
0: mm-hmm. the punk rock.
1: Yeah, and yeah. yeah, the the spandex or not spandex, but fake leather pants and yeah, leather jacket with the big poofy hair. All that blonde, that all that blonde hair. Yeah. Ugh! All that. What is that called? That stuff, the chemical they put in their hair to make it blonde. Ugh.
0: Yeah. What? What was that? I don't know. Uh, peroxide, I think. Probably. Yeah. But it was just crazy. And you see, like, you know, they're drunk and they're driving cars, and people are having like car accidents that kill people, and they're getting STDs, and then so all this, you see the sins being manifested in real world consequences, like the deaths, the STDs, and. OD'ing and you know one guy OD'd and he only came back to life because the the EMT him twice in the <laughs> chest with adrenaline shots and it's like dang and it, it, to me it so it, it was it's just seeing there's nothing redeeming to me about, about these people just chaos and just violence and just gratuity in every sense
1: was there any, there's, there's no, there's pure selfishness. There's no giving of, of any of yourself to others for... None. Uh, yeah, the sake of
0: the world. Yeah, I, I did not, I didn't, like, I wanted to like it, but at the same time, I just, I just couldn't. But mm. nothing redeeming about these people. But. Yeah, anti-heroes, to, and, um,
1: but it doesn't glorify them, at least. Right. What do, you, what do you got here? I have to bring up the newest um, episode. happened two nights ago, Sunday of Lord of the Rings. And we talk a lot nope. about of Lord of the Rings. That's funny. <laughs> that is funny because it's definitely yes. uh, on the same the same genre. Yeah. But uh, uh, Game of Thrones, and um, you know, I won't say the big spoiler that almost everybody, even you, knew the spoiler. I did. <laughs> that. Um, but it's amazing. I want to talk about. It. So everyone who hasn't seen it, who wants to see it, just just turn it off. I, I hate doing that, but okay. So if you hopefully you've turned off by now, or you've. Turn the volume up. So Jon Snow could ride a dragon, mm-hmm. and um, didn't realize at the point, And this bugs me about this show. There's a lot of implausibilities. Didn't realize at the point that only a Targaryen. I can't remember the exact name of the. I think it's Targaryen. Group, yeah, they could ride a dragon, and that makes him the king of all the kingdoms. And he just doesn't get it after that. And um, he has a hard time believing that even after. This guy, I can't remember his name, this this scholar, amazing scholar, tells him that he is the true king, tells uh, Jon Snow, and, and they're just pushing the humility angle way too hard.
0: Is it because he thinks he's the son of Stark? It's uh, my Stark, and he's a bastard child?
1: Yeah, exactly. I should have brought that up. He um, has always been super humble, and not even liked by his own siblings, his own Quasi siblings, because he's this supposed bastard, when he truly is blood, higher rank blood than they are. But I don't know. I wish they'd they'd give that up and and just get straight to him being the you know the. And I, I also don't like the fact that gosh. And I should shouldn't talk about this show without remember the names. <laughs> But but the gal who's the leader of the dragons, I wanted her to be the, the leader of everything because oh. I'm, I'm into this whole Captain Marvel and, and female empowerment, and, and she's going to kind of lose that title, which kind of sucks. But it was amazing. Yeah. And the show and the production values, which you talk about uh, ad nauseum constantly, but uh, is, is amazing, and I'm really sad to see it go. We only have seven left, and, and I can't wait for you to watch it someday. I'll watch but it someday.
0: So you waited, what, a year, a year and a half? I think it's been more than a year, yeah. And... You did you feel like you kind of knew this was how they? Yeah, yeah. Ago?
1: That's the thing about you talked about all the Captain Marvel stuff and being right. able to read things ad nauseum, and I knew everything happening because I would watch YouTube's too. Yeah, and it, that's another thing that is new in our <laughs> world. We get every angle pointed right. out to us before it happens, instead of you know having to figure these things out ourselves. Yeah, somebody else tells us what could be the case, you know, and it sucks. Oh yeah,
0: I, I actually love, I listen to podcasts. I watch yeah. YouTube. I do that. I'm all about the Star Wars right now. But
1: oh well, let's come on real quick. Uh, tell about the, the
0: the. Oh, Star Wars is going to be amazing. Episode nine the trailer. The trailer. Is, Thank you. It's going to wrap up the saga here. Thanks. But it, it looks like it's called the Rise of Skywalker. So anyway, it's Star Wars. I'm looking forward to it so much. Star Wars. Go watch it. it comes out this this Christmas.
1: Right on. Can't wait. Yeah,
0: it's going to be awesome. It's
1: going to be great. that's all for this week thank you so much for joining us on our amazing podcast you could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts such as stitcher Podbeam, google play itunes be sure to rate our show leave us a review your rating will help others find the show be sure to find us on facebook and instagram at conversation on tap thank you for listening we'll see you next week cheers cheers joel woo that's fun yeah listen good job